0: Change your perception of what you're looking at, and everything changes. Hey, my name is Georgia Janis, and this is the How to Do Life podcast. If you've ever felt that no matter what you try, something is missing, then you're in the right place. My aim in this podcast is to begin filling in those blanks for you. So open your mind and get ready, because I'm about to show you an entirely different way to look at your life. And once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. So let's get started. All right, welcome to today's podcast episode. Um, We've got an interesting episode in store for you today because we will be talking about anxiety. Um, Now, this is a big topic. It's very meaty. It's very sensitive. um, And it's something that I get asked about a lot, which is why we're, we're talking about it today now i think what would be valuable for us to start with is actually looking at what anxiety is now um, full disclosure not a registered doctor not a psychiatrist or a psychologist so the way i'll be talking about anxiety and describing what anxiety is is not based on the dsm-5 manual that all the doctors use as a way to determine whether or not you have anxiety. This is not a diagnosis. This is just me talking from my personal experience and also my professional experience. Now, in saying all of that, um, anxiety is its an interesting emotion um, because that's ultimately what it is. And it's something that essentially rules people's lives. Like It influences the decisions people make. It influences the people that you interact with. It influences um, who you spend your time with, how you spend your money, the jobs that you take, the careers that you choose. It has such a profound impact on people's uh, day-to-day life that it really is quite this powerful beast that lives in the minds of individuals but no one can really grasp or see. So it's a really interesting topic for me. It's also a personal topic. It's something that I wrestled with many years ago, um, grippingly, like I was dealing with anxiety. I was dealing with, um, panic, panic attacks. Um, it used to really uh, impact me and influence me now. Anxiety nervousness, tension, Panic, discomfort, what is it? like? And are they the same? Perhaps maybe all these emotions, all these different sensations that people are feeling might actually be the same thing, but there's different labels being thrown around. So for example, if you're leading up to a presentation at work and you're feeling some nervousness about it, some people will say, I'm feeling anxious. Other people will say, I'm feeling nervous. Some other people might actually describe it as excitement. It's all the same sensation, but what you're experiencing might actually be labeled as anxiety. This is what's interesting to me because anxiety has this official label that's almost been attached to it. People People run around saying that, you know, I can't do that. I've got anxiety. I have anxiety and I'm always anxious. I've always been anxious and I'm forever anxious. But what's the difference between feeling nervous, anxious, and panicked? It's not necessarily obvious to people. In my experience, the difference between nervousness, anxiousness, and panic is the degree in which you're anticipating pain. So, for example, if you're feeling nervous about a presentation, you are expecting some kind of pain that you will experience when you're about to do this presentation. Maybe you're worried people will just not be interested in your presentation. And to you, that's painful. Like you're wasting your time. So you'll experience a small degree of nervousness about it. If you're experiencing anxiety, that might be because you're worried about being criticized or ridiculed during the presentation. So that's, scaling up the sense of nervousness which kind of transforms into an anxiety now the panic if you were to go as far as experiencing a panic attack that might be because you're anticipating all pain all criticism all judgment and all um, humiliation that you get gripped with this perceived pain that you're going to experience and then from that point on, you're just experiencing this panic. So when it comes to the way in which people identify with anxiety, with nervousness, with panic, I want to give you a different thought process around the way in which you use the language around what you experience personally. Something that I've seen a lot of is that people, people who experience anxiety or anxiety like symptoms will say, I have anxiety. Or I'm an anxious person the problem with that is that subconsciously you're identifying with the experience you're identifying with the condition of anxiety you're identifying with the symptoms and so if there's any desire within you at all that wants to break through the anxiety if you keep saying I have anxiety or I am just an anxious person You are entrenching your identity with the experience. My preference for you is for you to be able to let go of that identity. So if you are going to continue to label your experiences as having anxiety, my suggestion would be saying, I'm experiencing anxiety. Not I have. You do not possess anxiety. You are not anxiety. It is a symptom. And that's a symptom of an underlying cause. And so, when I help you understand the difference between the symptom, which is the sensation of anxiety or the sensation of panic, and the underlying cause, which is purely a perception, then you'll understand that you are not anxiety, you do not have it, and you are not an anxious person. You are just dealing with a symptom. For example, this is a crude example, but if you have a muscle cramp, you do not say I am a muscle cramp. I am a cramp, right? You do not say, I have cramps. Cramps is me. That sounds a little bit like crabs. That might not be okay. But you get the idea, right? You, you are not cramps. Like, oh, I just have this cramp. That's crazy. Uh, and then you get over it. You don't identify with it. So I want you to understand that there's a difference between the underlying cause and the symptom or the condition. And start to separate these two. What I've also seen, which is being particularly popular on social media, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, for the main places that I've seen this anyway, is the normalization of anxiety or the normalization of mental disorders. Now, normalizing, making common, there is help, there is value in that. It can be helpful to normalize. Because typically people who are experiencing mental disorders or mental challenges or mental health challenges, they are feeling like they're alone. You might feel like you're alone when you're having anxiety, when you're experiencing anxiety, right? And you're not. It's actually really common. So the normalization of this and seeing that a lot of people experience anxiety or a lot of people experience panic or nervousness, that can ease your tension about it and make you feel less alone in the experience. However, the challenge with normalization is if you join a group, a collective group of people who are experiencing the same thing, if they stay stuck in their experience, if they stay stuck in their anxiety, you will too. It's sometimes called companionship in misery, right? This is people who find comp- other people who are experiencing misery, experiencing some kind of suffering, and they associate and they just kind of vibe with each other. But you're keeping each other stuck. So the normalization is it's helpful, but it can keep you stuck. So it only gets you to a certain point. But then from that point on, it's like, okay, well, what do I do with this? Great. I've just discovered there are a sea of people who are wrestling with anxiety. Now I understand that I'm not alone in experiencing this. But now that I've worked out all these people also experience anxiety, what am I supposed to do? Which leads me to the next challenge that I've seen in the common thought process. That I've seen out there in the world. And that is the belief that you need to manage and cope with anxiety. And that's just not true. Most of the techniques, most of the approaches, and the methods that people use to help navigate their experience with anxiety involve managing techniques, coping techniques. But none of them involve what I believe is, most importantly, an appreciation of the anxiety, an appreciation of the fear, and an appreciation of the panic, which I'll get to in a minute. But what I want to do is help you understand why managing and coping techniques are a challenge, especially if they're things like, well, I know that I have certain triggers when it comes to what makes me feel anxious, so I'll stop involving myself in those triggers. So let's say, for example, you experience social anxiety and part of that anxiety is like you don't do well with big parties, with a lot of people. So what you might use as a coping mechanism or a strategy is to just say no to these parties or to try and bring somebody with you to make you feel better about being there. The problem with that is that's not actually addressing the underlying cause of the anxiety. That's just Putting a band-aid on it and finding ways to cope and manage that's not empowering as far as i'm concerned because then you will feel like you need this crutch you feel like you need some kind of support or assistance whenever it comes to dealing with these challenging situations what i'm more interested in is making sure that you actually feel like you can handle it on your own that you can rely on yourself and you have this sense of self-belief Not that you need all these various coping mechanisms as a way to deal with whatever tension or anxiety you might feel. It's kind of like the equivalent of having, still having a security blanket as an adult. Like you can't go to preschool unless you've got your teddy bear. It's like, I can't go to these certain events unless this, 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 and this, all these five different criteria are perfectly aligned. And then I feel comfortable doing that. My preference is what if you could do it without any resistance? Like, that's actually possible. That's not just some fantasy. That's not something that only a few people are born with the ability to do, and only the like alpha type people or the type A people or the super confident individuals. It's not something that's reserved for them. Everybody can experience that. You are inherently able to do so. But if your perceptions of your past experiences are influencing the way you feel about these different situations that trigger you into anxiety. It's going to hold you back from being able to experience this natural state of confidence and self-belief. So the coping mechanisms and the management techniques that are used, as far as I'm concerned, again, like the normalization of mental disorders or mental health disorders, It gets you to a certain point, but then it has its own limitation. It is limiting itself in terms of helping you. So my preference is to help you shift out of that. Now, let me help define what perceptions lead to experiencing anxiety. You may have heard me say that life is neutral. Our existence is neutral. All things in life are neutral. So an example of that is, an example I like to use is flowers, right? My wife loves flowers, but I know people who hate flowers because it triggers hay fever and allergies. Now, the flower itself is neutral. It's in the middle going, guys, I'm just being a flower. What's the big deal? And there's this positive perception and there's a negative perception. My question is who is right and who is wrong about the flower? The same is true for all experiences in life. They are actually neutral. It is the sum of the positive and the negative that makes it neutral. So if you have a perception that anxiety is bad, or if you have the perception that something in your past is bad, that's only half of the equation. And that can also keep you stuck, especially when we live in a world that demonizes these experiences. Like, anxiety is bad. It's causing me a lot of pain. My question is, what if your anxiety was helping you? A question that I asked myself a lot when I was young was, if the bad things in life served no purpose, why would they exist? If the negative experiences, the negative thoughts, the negative behaviors, if they served no purpose... Why would they exist? Surely they must have some kind of value. So why can't the same be applied to anxiety, or fear, or panic? Perhaps there is some value in the experience, and as long as we're trying to push it away or keep it away from us, we're disempowering ourselves, and we're essentially pushing away half of the value that life has for us, including the anxiety itself. So here's what I've seen with anxiety and this is something I've learned from my mentor, Dr. John Demartini. The way he describes anxiety and fear is quite interesting. It's the, and the way, the way he says it is that fear is the perception that you will experience more pain than pleasure or more negative than positive, which is this lopsided perception, right? Now the reason, that is, is because you perceive something is going to be painful, right? Coming back to the presentation, if you feel like doing this presentation in front of everybody will lead to humiliation or criticism, you're going to associate that there is going to be pain with that. No one looks forward to humiliation. But the only reason you're anticipating that is because you perceive there will be criticism without praise, or you expect that there will be judgment without acceptance from others. So, if you're anticipating an experience is going to feel that way, you will experience anxiety because you're, experience, you're expecting to experience pain. So, the anxiety response is normal. I'm not interested in switching off people's anxiety response, right? Because it gets you into a fight or flight mode that fight or flight mode, we want to keep operating because if you are genuinely in a situation where you are being threatened, I don't want you to be able to go, I'm good. I'm good. Right? Like if you've got a lion or a tiger chasing you, you don't want to be like, guys, let's not get worked up. Like it's just a lion. We're okay. Like chill out. Like, no, I want the fight or flight response to kick in for you. So you are running as fast as you can away from that thing. Outdoing every Iron Man record there ever is. The reason why you experience anxiety and the fight or flight response is because you perceive that you will experience pain. So the issue isn't the anxiety response, the issue is the perception that leads you that led you to the fight or flight response and the anxiety. For example, a few years ago I had a client who reached out to me the day after. Um, something dramatic happened in her relationship and her partner left her, her husband left her and she was riddled with anxiety and panic. She was having a panic attack while she was talking to me. And I asked what was going on. She told me with a bit of digging and with a few questions, we worked out that her anxiety was around the idea of being abandoned and having to try and do everything on her own. Now, She was judging herself for experiencing anxiety. She's like, this is ridiculous. Why am I having panic about this? He hasn't threatened me. He hasn't hurt me. He hasn't harmed me in any way. But I am having a visceral panic attack right now. And what we worked out was that she just had this perception of being abandoned, that she had to try and live life on her own, and that freaked her out. And I get it. Like, who doesn't get that? Who wants to go and live their life in total isolation, abandoned by the people they're loved by? Nobody. That's a normal response. Here's where things get interesting with anxiety. The only reason you perceive you're going to experience some kind of a pain in the future is because your imagination is telling you something. It's saying, I am going to experience this pain, a very specific pain, a very specific outcome that will lead to pain. Where it gets interesting is, that imagination is based on the memory you have of an experience you had somewhere in your past. The reason you imagine a certain pain in the future is because you've experienced that same pain, or that same perceived pain, in your past. So for this particular client, there was a memory from That's right. There was a memory from when she was in the American equivalent of middle school. And she had changed schools. And in the process of changing schools, she actually felt abandoned and isolated by her mother. Because mum was pushing her into this school and all she wanted to do was stay home. Because she was worried about... Whether or not these kids would accept her, whether or not they'd welcome her as a friend. And so she was experiencing all this pain. And instead of mum, because her mum wrestled with anxiety, her mum's idea was the best way to help my daughter is to push her into it so she can see she's going to be okay. She dropped her off and left. And when she left, my client had the perception that mum abandoned me and triggered anxiety and panic at that age. In a situation where she felt like there weren't people there to support her. And so ever since then, she's had a very deep fear of being abandoned by people. Especially people that she thought she could trust. So we changed her perception of that experience back in school. And showed her that she was actually being welcomed and appreciated by some some other kids. And one of the teachers, they welcomed her in and saw that she was struggling. And they even acted like a mother figure in her life while she was at school. And it turned out that it wasn't nearly as terrifying as what she perceived at the age of seven, eight. And so then moving forward, she stopped having this fear and anxiety around being abandoned. So now her experience is like, I actually like being on my own. I feel empowered, I get to make decisions for myself. She actually liberated herself from this anxiety. The same is true, I've seen this for anxiety with flying. Fear of flying that people have. It's the sense of feeling trapped, like you have no control. I've had some clients describe being in an aeroplane as a steel coffin, which is pretty extreme. But it's only because um, in this particular client's case, she, there was one memory she had where she felt she was trapped on a bus for a long distance journey and she couldn't get off she was about 17 at the time and she was in the middle of nowhere and she panicked and so the idea of getting on a plane that she can't get off gave her huge anxiety and so she had never been on a plane even into her 40s and she had this dream of travelling to a city, Um, she wanted to travel to Melbourne here in Australia. And she's like, I I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. I might have to drive down, which would have been something like a two-day drive. That's how much she was willing to compromise. The flight is about an hour and 30 minutes. The drive is two days. So we worked through this anxiety when she was 17, and she realized that she was free... Just as much as she was trapped in that experience, the anxiety dissolved, and within two months of working on that, she was on a girl's trip down to Melbourne on a plane with zero anxiety. When you perceive that you are only going to experience pain, which is the perception of threat, the perception of an impending doom, you are going to have an anxiety response that response is normal. What I'm interested in is the underlying perception of what is what you perceive to be painful because the perception is probably an illusion. And when you realize that the original time that all of this took place for you, wherever the anxiety started, when you realize that, that it was actually neutral and it wasn't pure pain and it wasn't pain without pleasure. It wasn't negative without positive. You won't fear the same thing happening again in the future because you change your memory of the past. I have story after story after story of people experiencing anxiety, CEOs of multi-million dollar companies having anxiety about firing somebody on their team. People have anxiety about getting married, commitment phobes, right? People having anxiety about starting a family. Becoming a parent, going on a trip, moving overseas, saving money, believe it or not. People actually have anxiety about saving money. They feel trapped by saving money. They feel trapped by the idea of running a budget, of sticking within their means. There's all these different perceptions of feeling trapped, withheld, and that there's going to be some kind of pain with what you navigate in your life, that all these fears, all these anxieties are going to hold you back. But if you work through all of these anxieties, you no longer feel the need to be held back. You no longer feel held back by what you're going for. So, what is important for you to understand is that if you're experiencing anxiety, judging yourself for it gets you nowhere. It keeps you stuck. Hanging out with other people who are normalizing anxiety can also keep you stuck. My preference for you is to go and do the work. To work through your anxieties, to work through your fears. And to touch on something really quickly here, the difference between fear and anxiety is anxiety is something that you're perceiving will happen in the future. It's just future-based. Fear is something that you perceive is happening in this moment. Now, you're scared of this situation right now, right here. The only difference between the two is one is future-based and one is present moment. What is a really common anxiety for people to have is losing control of their body. This looks like illness. It looks like disease. And even when you have a panic attack, it is the ultimate manifestation of losing control of your body. But what if all of those things were actually Your body doing everything it could to keep you alive. And it was trying to help you. It was trying to empower you. So there's something I want you to consider reframing around anxiety, which I've been leading to through this whole episode. And that is that anxiety is trying to reveal something to you about a perception you have. It's trying to show you that you have a perception of some perceived pain without pleasure, some perceived negativity without positivity that you've lopsided your perception and the anxiety is trying to hint to you that it's time to get your perceptions back to a neutral state. And when you see that there was just as much good as there was bad in the experiences that happened in the past, you unlock an appreciation and gratitude. And when you start to appreciate and have a gratitude for your anxiety, you no longer fear anxiety taking place again in your life because you realize it's been helping you. So let me give you a tip about something you can do to help start to change your experience of anxiety. Now, I have a full-length course that goes deep into breaking through anxiety, which you're welcome to check out. It is called Freedom From Anxiety, um, which you can enroll in. But what you can also do, and I'll give you a little hint here, is tracing back, finding where the trigger started, and becoming aware of what it was that originally created your anxiety can start to completely unlock your experiences with it what I mean by that is usually when I ask people who come to me saying I've been wrestling with my anxiety my whole life I'm like stop for a second let's just check that I'm like did you come out of the womb having a panic attack and they're like well no I didn't come out of the womb that way it's like okay so you haven't had it your whole life when did, when did the anxiety start when did you notice that things changed there was some point during your life where you felt fine. Sure. You had some nervousness and some anxiety, like momentary anxieties throughout childhood. But there was a moment where from that point on you, your experience of anxiety noticeably increased and became a chronic or long term experience. So what I want you to do is scan back through your past, through your life and look, where was the chapter that you were fine? And where did that change to the chapter where anxiety came into your life? And you will find that there was an event that took place that started the chapter with anxiety. Now, you might believe that it's traumatic. You might believe that it's overwhelming. You might believe that it's just... um, It's not there. Maybe I don't even have that memory. But the reality is there is a moment... There is an experience that triggered the anxiety. Anxiety doesn't come out of nowhere when like the universe doesn't run on roulette. So I'm like, well, the ball landed on your number. Guess what? You're experiencing anxiety for the rest of your life. It's not random like that. I haven't seen a single case where anxiety was random. It come, there is a moment that comes in your life where you have this perception that you experienced more pain than pleasure, where you perceive some kind of threat, even if it wasn't a threat to your life, it was a threat to your sense of self. Maybe it was some kind of humiliation or criticism, but there was a moment that you experienced a a deep moment of pain, emotional or otherwise. And that's when the anxiety started. And I want you to ask yourself, what about that experience was so painful? And is that perceived pain the truth? And what you will realize is that all of your anxieties came from a very specific place in your life, a very very specific experience, and it's not random, and it's just this repetition. That in and of itself, that one exercise, will start to transform your experience of anxiety. And if you're interested in exploring it even further, what I'd love for you to consider is perhaps enrolling in the anxiety program that we've got You'll see a link below the video and in the show notes to that course. Or feel free to reach out on Instagram or shoot us an email. There's one last thing I want to share with you before I let you go. To dispel an anxiety myth. Something you might have heard of and seen a lot is that performers... Uh, professional actors, actresses, um, speakers, even comedians. They say that before every show, even after decades of doing it, they experience anxiety and they consider that a healthy response. And that's normal. This normalization of it, even by the celebrities, doesn't actually help you. I haven't found that to be true because I know individuals who are professional speakers, and experts in their field and they don't experience anxiety before they get up on stage. They used to many years ago, but they don't now. What I have found is that it isn't that you care so much. It's not the reason you experience anxiety before a performance, before you step up is not because you care so deeply about it and it's just a reflection of how invested in that you are. That's not the case. So, I don't want you to buy into that notion. It has nothing to do with how much you care. And it has everything to do with what you perceive you will experience. Throwing up before every performance is not... doesn't have to be normal, right? Just because people are saying that's what they do doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be normal. Because if you can transform your expectations of what you believe will happen and that you're no longer going to anticipate pain, then what happens to the anxiety before your performance? What happens to needing to throw up before you perform every time? All of that calms down because you no longer perceive a threat when you deliver your performance. So I wanted to leave you with that last note. Anxiety is normal, but it doesn't have to be something that you cope, manage, or live with. It's trying to help you. And I really hope I've started to change your perspective on that because that one insight transformed my personal experience of anxiety. So, on that note, it was a bit of a heavy topic. I get it. Anxiety is not exactly a fun topic for everybody to dig into, but it's very serious and it's something that a lot of you experience. So I thought I'd start to give you some of my insights around anxiety. I will probably talk more about it in future episodes. I am expecting to get a bunch of questions about it. So if you do have any expanding questions on anxiety or anything that I've covered in this episode, please make sure you leave a comment uh, below the video or shoot me a, a message on Instagram and I'll do my best to either answer you directly or answer all your questions in a future episode. On that note, I hope this was valuable. My aim is for this to be valuable.